If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, folks, it's Brad Reed from Cabin in the Woods, the classic. And I'm here with my buddies on Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Time says closed. We're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. Not to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. I just want to thank all our fans and listeners who really appreciate it. Uh, Before we jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our social media uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, to search Don't Go Out There. You'll find us. You'll see Brian's awesome cover art he did for us. And I uh, just want to give a shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. It's got all of our interviews, our episodes, celebrity shout-outs, and our store. So if you want to just go check the website out, you can find everything we have basically there. And give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you don't mind. It just helps us grow and reach new people. And we love to we love hearing these stories of all these people we don't know you know, telling us they found our show and like it. We really appreciate all support. Absolutely. And tonight is Brother Mike. Uh, it's his film review. It, it's his choice. And he finally got to one of his favorites that he's been talking about for a long time. Uh, 2012's Cabin in the Woods. Mike, do you want to give us your general thoughts, brother? Uh, yeah. So, first of all, I just want to come out and say, obviously, I'm a big fan of meta horror. I've made that perfectly clear. It, Mike loves meta and all that stuff. So that's one reason why I chose this film is because I enjoy the the subgenre of meta horror. Um, this movie is a lot of fun to me, and I know that a lot of people either love this movie or hate this movie, and I understand both sides of that argument. Right. Um, if you are into this genre, I, I'm going to just assume that you love it like the people that are into this genre. And if you don't, then this movie doesn't take itself seriously enough for a lot of people, and I understand that as well. So I don't have any gripes or, or you know, with anybody arguing that side of it. Uh, so for, for me, I saw this movie the weekend that it came out. Uh, I was on a date and just randomly picked it because it was a scary movie, and you, you know how that goes when you're young. So, uh, <laughs> and as I'm watching this movie the first time, I literally kept saying, "What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck?" Because it it just kept <laughs> escalating and escalating to like. like what the fuck am I watching? And again, upon first view, I really didn't know what I was watching. 
it, I, I didn't know what to think of it. And, and, <laughs> and I also understand how that could be a bad thing for some people. But for me, it was more of a, I can't stop watching this. I wanted to see it again. Now, I didn't until it came out on DVD, but I remember thinking, I really want to watch this again and kind of get everything that was going on there. And that's, so that's kind so that's kind of why I like it. I love that it flips the genre on its head, but also does a good job with the horror stuff too. It's not, you know, it's not so campy that that it that I don't think it has any good horror stuff. It does. Um and I love the characters in this movie. And that's yes. very rare for a horror flick uh for for me anyway, where a lot of times you know, stock characters slash slash kill kill, we know how that goes. But in this movie, I think most of the characters are well fleshed out. I enjoy them. I enjoy the acting uh, for what it is. I just like this movie, and I really love that this is a love letter to horror or hate letter to horror, depending on how you view the movie. So that's why I picked it. I'm excited to talk about it in case you can't tell. Normally, you know, I've gone on a streak of picking movies I don't like, and it was time to pick something I actually enjoy watching. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you have really been kind of not this. I wouldn't say the sacrificial lamb, but you kind of picked a lot of the big blockbusters, whether or not you liked them or not, because you thought they needed to be reviewed. So, right. um, you know, you deserve to pick a movie that you really like. All right. So this is going to be a three on one review tonight. <laughs> um, but because, you know, Mike, Mike started his general overview with Mike loves meta. Nico does not love meta. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to say to any of our loyal listeners or any new listeners who are fans of this movie. I am not going to just hate on this movie the whole night. I'm just personally not a fan of meta horror. The first time I watched this movie, I was exactly like Mike, uh, what he said. I was like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> and I went into this viewing again, which is free on Amazon Prime. So go check it out again if you haven't seen it in a while. There's really no reason to not go watch it right now. It's free. The Blu-ray uh, is 10 bucks. Just saying, guys. Yeah. Uh, I went into the movie, honestly, guys, like I said, I went into it with a clear mind. I, I, I just... Exactly what Mike said. It just doesn't take itself seriously enough, which, you know, maybe that's that's maybe that's on me. But, you know, there are a lot of good things I like about this movie. I love the cast. Like these guys have said, uh, just there's some stuff I'm just not a fan of. I'm not the meta guy, but I promise I'm not going to just hate on my guy Mike's pick on that. I'm going to be fair with it. <laughs> it's OK uh, if you do. It's OK. If you do. I mean, I mean, there's going to be a lot of love given to it tonight for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, Brian, you want to go next with your general uh, thoughts? Yeah. Um, look, I love this movie. There's no hiding it from me. Nope. <laughs> um, it, it reminds me of a mixture of uh, From Dust Till Dawn, you know, with the twist and the mm -hmm. Belko experiment. Um, I actually had no idea of the twist the first time I watched it, which probably made me love it even more, honestly, never having seen even a trailer for it. Um, I read the description. I read this description, and and I really I really agree with it. It said this movie is just a movie written for us, for the horror fans, and I, I think that's absolutely correct. And then it turns cliches completely around, um, goes ape shit, and turns it on its head, and goes super meta, meta with it, just like Scream, you know, just to tear down what we think is going to happen. And by God, I freaking love it. And um, you know, and lastly, I, I I think this cast is freaking amazing, and I will say that the rest of the night. Yeah, I gotta I gotta you know no surprise here as Nico alluded to with it being a three on one. I gotta agree with uh, Mike and Brian there. I really love this movie too. Uh, first time I watched it, I honestly thought that it was a mislabeled uh, movie. Like I, yes. I watched it yep. on uh, Blu-ray for the first time I watched it, and I put it down. It's like wait, did I put the right disc in? 
<laughs> and I was like, man, this is phenomenal stuff. And uh, it's just the the casting is perfect from top to bottom. I love how they they uh, you know they give a tip of the cap to several horror classics throughout the whole film. Yes. Um, I read I read one review of this movie that said that this movie is like Evil Dead meets The Truman Show, and okay. that's fair. It's that's very fair. Very, yeah, very fair. With a little cabin and fever so, in there too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but no, I, I'm a fan of it. I don't have. I'm just going to be transparent up front. I don't have a lot of critiques. Uh, I'm excited either. to. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, for this three-on-one love fest that we're going to have. Oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, I know this is a well, well-loved movie, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to just. I'm just going to give my thoughts on it. But I know you guys love it, and y'all ready to jump into scene by scene? Hey, and Nico's in Nico's defense, there are a lot of people that hate this movie. So yeah, it's a very clear dividing line there's not a lot of middle ground with this movie you either really love this movie or you think this movie is the drizzling shits and so (laughs) you just happen to be you just happen to be on a show where your three co-hosts absolutely fucking love this movie so apology apologies nico but that's okay i should on joyride gave it a four or whatever i gave it so i don't feel so bad the the not only the shits the drizzling (laughs) that's a wrestling term wrestling yeah it is all right. All right. The film starts with Sitterson and Hadley. They converse while getting coffee. Lynn walks up and says, Stockholm went south. You can't trust Swedes. Sitterson asks if she's in the betting pool. They drive off on the golf cart, then title card. Now we're in Dana's room and she's walking around in just her undies. Jules shows off her new hair. Jules wants Dana to leave her books at home for this little weekend trip they're going on. Kurt throws Holden a football from the window onto the street. Kurt jokes with Dana about her being in just her underwear. Now they're loading up the RV, and Marty the stoner shows up. <laughs> I wrote, he locks his door, but he leaves the window down. <laughs> they load up the RV and head off. Man on top of their building, radios. Nest is empty, right on time. Jules says the road isn't even on the GPS. Marty goes on a rant as he rolls up more weed. Truman, Sitterson, and Hadley enter. I just wrote it's this high-tech room where they're watching them, and they get set up. The crew pulls up to an old rundown country gas station. Holden goes inside to look around. He gets jump scared by the attendant. They ask about Tillerman Road. He calls Jules a whore, and then Kurt throws money at him, and they leave as Marty sasses him. They drive through a tunnel, and we see an eagle fly into this light. I just, fellas, I don't know what it's called, honestly. I just, wrote an, invis- I just wrote an invisible wall in the air. They arrive to the cabin. Dana goes inside and checks it out. Kurt loves the cabin. Holden takes down this picture of folks killing a goat and sees Dana through a two-way mirror undressing. Holden offers to switch rooms. Let me switch my, flip my page. He offers to switch rooms with Dana. She checks him out but puts the picture back up but is freaked out by it, so she hangs a sheet over it. Now they're all being watched on monitor. That's the first two scenes I got. Yeah, so Joss Whedon from Avengers fame, you know, is one of the writers on this movie. And and you can tell because I really think the dialogue is very good in this film. Maybe one of the best written dialogue in a horror movie that I've ever seen. Um, And Whedon has always been pretty good at writing realistic dialogue. Um, I also think it's a pretty realistic group of kids that would definitely make the decision to go in the cabin in the woods and get killed. Um, And like I said in the opening, I love this cast. And this opening scenes really make it easy for me to love them, too, um, with that dialogue and the writing. Um, You know, speaking of the cast, uh, this came out the year after Thor for Hemsworth. But 
was filmed much before. So like this movie sat on a shelf for a long time because of, uh, you know, MGM going through bankruptcy. Um, and okay. So in this group of scenes, there's so much going on in this group of scenes. Um, you know, I read where Whedon and Goddard like wanted to Dustin kind of alluded to this, but they actually wanted yeah. to purposely confuse the audience and make them right. think they were sitting in the wrong movie with this cold exactly. opening. And I love that. I absolutely love it. Um, yep. You know, plus opening with the dad from Step Brothers and Richard Jenkins and the bad guy from Billy Madison and Bradley Whitford always makes me instantly want to laugh and smile. And I think they're great in this movie. Um, that eagle flying into that CG wall thing, you know, that's when it really starts to hit you that this is definitely a something different. Um, if you went into this movie thinking you were going to get a regular Friday the 13th type of Evil Dead movie, you are not going to get that. And that that's where it really starts to be, uh, hit home for me with that eagle flying into the wall. Um, you know, and I assume this cabin is a callback to the Evil Dead cabin. But I do think that it's pretty funny how it looks like a one room cabin from the outside. But when they get in <laughs> and look around, it's huge. It's like four or five bedrooms. It's gigantic. And I always kind of took that as not a mistake, but I always took that as like a meta jab at most horror franchises, you know, without making it, quote unquote, you know, scary movie cheesy and bringing attention to it. Um, but, yeah, like I, that, that's all I got for that group of scenes. And, and it's going to be a love fest for me all, all, all night as well. Yeah, uh, you said it. I mean, that's you're right. I read that, too, about them purposely yep. uh, writing this first scene to be like that, to confuse people. And they succeeded uh, because, well, first of all, when you see, like you said, Jenkins and Whitford, I get funny vibes from those guys. I mean, this isn't <laughs> the first horror film. Well, is isn't the only horror film, notable horror film that Whitford's in. He's also in Get Out. But uh, he voted you know, for Obama twice. Yeah, <laughs> he would have voted again. But uh, the the thing that he's most known for is, like you said, Billy Madison and Richard Jenkins, of course, you think of Step Brothers. And so I'm like, OK, I'm going to laugh in this movie. Yes. And uh, the the rest of the cast, I think, you know, Jesse Williams, great. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, great. And then you've got the beautiful Anna Hutchison and the beautiful Kristen Connolly. So I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Now, the, the thing about the casting that's confused me, it's not the cast, because I think he was pe cast perfectly, but... Uh, kind of to let you know uh from the get-go that this is basically typical horror film is they're kind of an an oddball group of friends like yeah. i don't pick up the fact that marty would actually be hanging out with right. uh, kurt like yeah, i just I have I that road down too yeah <laughs> and so uh it's kind of like they're letting you know from the front you know because you see this in horror movies before where it's like the uh the random guy that doesn't yep. really fit in but somehow is friends with them uh and so so there's that the scene where uh kurt walks over to the books and he's like oh you should read this one they talk about it and and so that's 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 funny because usually the jocks are portrayed as just idiots and he's yeah he's uh you know very uh very literally literally inclined there you go um yeah there we go now further in the scenes though I think it's funny when they get out of the the or get out of the RV at the gas station and he's holding his football. It's like okay, typical jock stuff. He's holding his football at a gas pump. <laughs> uh, that was funny to me. Uh, I I don't really like how they showed the bird flying into the wall right there because we already know something's up because we've got 
Richard Jenkins and uh, Whitford, you know, and these scientists basically, or analysts, whatever the hell they are at this point, we don't know. We've got, we already know that something's up because we've been shown them in this lab. And then you've got the guy on top of the building that's saying that they're on the move. And so we know something's up. I think that saving it for yeah. Kurt's, you know, big ordeal later would have been more effective because then you'd be like, oh, shit, they're literally trapped. But uh, and then the last thing that I have on this group of scenes was that Holden is a much better man than me because I don't know that I would have been able to uh, do the right thing there. Oh, man, I have it wrote down. I hope we all would be holding, but uh, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, you uh, hey, you both actually touched on a lot of what I have wrote down, but I'll, I'll run through it real quick. So I love the open for every reason that you guys said. One, you get the funny chemistry with Hadley and Sidderson. By the way, they both crack me up in other movies that they're in, so on screen together is fucking great. Every time I see... <laughs> Every time I see that guy, I think, you can jagaloons, you're failures from Step Brothers. Every time I see that, it's fucking great. Um, so I love that open, and you guys are right. I did think I was in the wrong movie, and they so they pulled that off with me. Now, you know, that's what, 2011 or 12, when I'm sitting down watching that in the theater, I thought I was in the wrong damn movie. So they, they did a good job there. Um, Dana, call me some time. Jules, call me some time. And every time I watch... This scene, the opening scene, all I could think of is Boy Meets World when Corey Matthews goes, underpants, because she's in her underwear, and I see that, and it's what I think. It's great stuff. Anyway, so first of all, I agree with you. Uh, this cast has good chemistry, and of course, they kind of throw it in your face that, ha-ha, Marty's the oddball, just like every horror movie, we have an oddball character. Ha-ha, he likes to smoke pot. Like, they're throwing that in your face, and they flip the jock on his head. He's a smart guy. He reads books, but he also carries the football out of the van with him or, you know, the fucking RV or whatever. So, again, they're just really hitting all the tropes while they can because they're setting up for flipping all the tropes on their head as much as possible. So I really I really enjoy the writing. Like, the writing in this movie is great, especially in these scenes to me. Um, Marty's the fucking man. He balances the cast out uh, where you get really good teen, you know, normal teens, and I like all the acting, but I think Marty is... I love the character. His off-the-grid dialogue is way ahead of its time because we're always being watched now. We're always being recorded now. And going off the grid is kind of nice. So the gas station scene reminds me of Cabin Fever. Like, spot on. It's like dead ass right out of Cabin Fever from uh, 2002, uh, which is, has another Boy Meets World alum. But anyway. Um, I, have never, I have actually never seen that movie. Just, don't worry. I'll uh, be picking uh, it someday, I've Brian. Seen. So you'll – I'll be picking it. Not the shitty remake they put on Netflix. Not that. The good one. Um, so I, I'm with you. All these people are believable friends to me, except for Marty, which, again, horror trope. Um, but these two guys are handsome sons of bitches. Bastards, man. <laughs> they both have six-packs. Hemsworth, we know what he's like. He's fucking Thor. And the other guy's in uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's what he's in. There you go. If you ever if you ever dated anybody ever, you've probably seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So um, I actually really get a kick out of Marty's Civil War joke at the gas station. Fucking cracks me up. Uh, <laughs> and one more thing I really have is I agree with you. I think the eagle flying into the wall kind of kills the scene that comes later with Kurt. Um, I don't hate it because I love everything else in this movie, but it is if I have to give one little nitpick – and there's not many that I give in this movie, but that is one. I probably would have saved that. And I know they're trying to tip their cap a little bit, but they already tipped their cap with the control center. 
I think that was enough. That's all I needed to know that, huh, something's weird here. Something's not right. And I actually think the Dana, the Dana and Holden interaction is believable. Like, I believe that those two would be interested in each other from a physical attraction standpoint. So it's not just this random ass hookup thing. And I think Kristen Connolly is actually really good as Dana in this movie. And it starts in these scenes. So that's what I have. And I would have been holding the good guy. I don't know about you, you weirdos. <laughs> swap room. Yeah, same. But she could still call me sometime. And Jules came I, too. I do have one more thing that I missed in my notes. Uh, I really love how they flashed the uh, the title card at us. Yeah. Because it's just unexpected out of nowhere, and it was very horror like. How it just bam, cabin in the woods, uh, real large on the screen in the red font. I love, I love that. Uh, and that was that was perfectly executed. Oh yeah. Sederson says, we are live. He makes a slick joke with Liv. Mordecai, the gas attendant, says their blind eyes don't see the horrors to come. He gets mad that he's on speakerphone with Hadley. All the crew goes to the lake, and they all jump in besides Marty. Sederson collects money for the betting pool. Sederson says, they rigged the game, but it's up to them not to transgress. They all start to drink and play truth or dare. Marty dares Jules to make out with the wolf on the wall. Sexy walk and kiss time. They applaud her performance. Then the cellar door flies open. Wynn must have done it. Yeah, okay, Kurt. Jules dares Dana to go check it out. Dana scares herself with a picture on the wall. They all start to explore the cellar. Marty says, maybe we should go upstairs after seeing all the weird stuff. Dana starts to read from a diary she finds. Anna Buckner, 1903. And I wrote, it's a pretty morbid story. Marty says, don't read the Latin. She reads it, and zombies emerge from the ground. Citizen celebrates maintenance winning the pool. Zombie redneck torture family. We see on the monitor in Kyoto a classroom being attacked. I wrote by a Samara-like figure. Uh, that's the next two scenes I got. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, look, I laughed my ass off when the Harbinger <laughs> called up, and they were fucking with him on speakerphone. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. during that betting scene with Holden saying, more than anything, I just want this moment to end. Again, again, the dialogue in this movie is fantastic, and it's hilarious, and it's a comedy in some parts, and it's a horror movie the entire way through. So you have to be able to appreciate both of them, and I really love the writing, like I said. Um, fun fact about the wolf makeout scene, they actually put powdered sugar on it so it wouldn't be so hard for Anna Hutchinson. And I definitely didn't know whether to be turned on or grossed out there, and you know, that, that speaks to Hutchinson's performance because she did a great in that scene, and that's exactly how it was supposed to feel, I believe. Um, also, at first, you know, when I first watched this movie, at least the first time, um, I was thinking, you know, I would have maybe liked this movie a little bit better without the end-of-the-world monster gods implications. But you know what? After watching watching it again and, you know, afterwards, I think I like it just because I like the whole, quote-unquote, rule that they have to sin on their own free will for the sacrifice to work. You know, otherwise, it's just kind of a fucked up reason to do this, you know, to people kind of like the Belko experiment is. Um, and, you know, amidst all the funny shit in this movie, for example, i.e. Kurt saying, take your take your take your top off. I don't make the rules. Um, you know, that cellar scene still was able to build your tension up, at least mine up pretty high, you know, while they were looking at each one of the artifacts and you knew something was coming. Um you know, fun fact, our girl Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street did the special makeup effects. Well, I mean, her and her husband, uh, David Leroy, Leroy, um, you know, and, and man, they looked amazing. The, the, the special effects in this movie, when they're practical, look 
spot on. And I know some of it has to be CG and it, it didn't age some well in some spots, but the practical effects in this, I thought looked great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so when they're showing the, the whiteboard and it's got all the things that they could have chose to place their bets on right there, you've got nods to so many horror so classes. Fucking oh, good. Yeah, so many. You've got, you got so a character good. named hell Lord and which we find out later on is a, uh, a nod to the goat pinhead. Boom. I have him wrote down as Heck Razor because he's a freaking knockoff. <laughs> Heck Razor. Yeah, That's he nice. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah, he's a Cenobite. And then you've got the Angry Molesting Tree and the Deadites, which are nods to the Evil Dead. You've got Twins, which we find out later. We get a glimpse of them. They look like the Twins from The Shining. So there's just so many different thing, nods to it right there on that board. Uh, now, one actual nitpick that I have on the movie um one of the maybe one of one who knows but uh when they're placing their bets or before they're placing their bets it shows vital signs like a uh, electronic screen with like vital signs for the kids how like they don't have any technology on them that would monitor their heart rate or their pulse and so that was kind of like kind of stupid like hey, to, to that effect I, yeah, I wrote that down too like how would they know or they would know that marty really didn't die later spoiler alert if right they had those you know those those uh of you know life yeah, signs the, so the yeah, you're right. yeah exactly uh the cellar door flying open uh i, I think it's funny when he says must have been the wind because <laughs> yeah. you know if if you flash back to when they're in the apartment before they even left he's already revealed himself to be a highly intellectual guy yeah and so for him to say must have been the wind just shows okay there's something up like it just plays on that whole thing that they're dumbing them down to make bad decisions and uh messing with their intelligence so i actually i didn't mind that as much on a rewatch as i did initially um but and that is the what only jump scare we get because that thing slamming open like that if you if you're watching it in a quiet room it'll it'll get you the first time. Uh, I love the the betting scene and like you said I, I love how they explain that it has to be their own free will. You've got the one guy at the uh, at the headquarters there that you know is trying to be the moral police and he he doesn't want any part of the betting and he's just there to do his job and take it seriously and that like I think that. Too often in time, or too often in time, we get this weird explanation where it doesn't fit, but here's all the details of the backstory. Right. Or someone just jumps to a conclusion and figures it out. I like how they explain what's going on here because it, it makes sense and it flows naturally. That right. goes back to what you're saying about uh, Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard, their their writing of the film. Brilliant. brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. I love the contrast in the two going back and forth the 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 you know the creepiness of the cabin and everything that's going on there and then you're in this control room where they're playing you know an office pool with these people's lives and again when you watch it the first time you don't really know what's going on but you know you're still in intrigued like what's the purpose of them setting all this up you don't really know that at this point but you're still intrigued and i think it's so good like i love i love that office pool scene just to contrast the the cabin scene and again you know you mentioned making out with the wolf and the powdered sugar that scene is so good because she plays it off really well the acting there where she's like flirting with the you know the wolf head on the wall and stuff i thought that was fucking funny in a good way um i like this set of scenes because this is normally the part in a slasher 
or you know, even a haunting movie where you're yelling at the screen, don't do that, don't do this, you're an idiot, why the fuck would you do that? But in this movie, they're being manipulated to do that. So you can't even be mad at this cast right. for being stupid because it's not their fault. Like they're literally being manipulated with potions and temperature raises and all that other stuff. So again, the writing there is really good where my horror movie instincts are kicking in like, you fucking idiot, don't pick up that diary. Don't don't go down in there in that cellar. But it's all being, you know, it's all being, you know, done like a marionette. They're being played like puppets. And I think that that's why this movie works for me. It actually explains why all these stupid decisions are made. And mm-hmm. I like that. Um, but I like the creepy cellar. And by the way, the, when it, that's one of the horror things that gets right. It's a very creepy looking place. And if it's a normal horror movie, you're kind of creeped out by it. I will admit, have knowing what's coming and knowing that it's being manipulated kind of takes the creepiness out of it a little bit. But still enjoy that set of scenes. Um, I don't know why Latin is so scary or why Latin is the reason that it raises these fucking zombie fuckers. But I love the look of these zombies. I think they're really well done. Uh, the makeup took like seven hours a person or whatever it was. So that's a lot of fucking makeup there. Uh, I love the detail of the monster board. We talked about it a little bit. But just each little monster and how how that monster whiteboard plays in later is so good to me. The 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 detail they put into it, and then the detail they put into it later, even is even more worth it to me. Um, and I really don't know the big fascination with this guy and Merman's, but the way it pays <laughs> off is is one of my favorite parts of the movie. I'll save it, but uh, that's all I have. Uh, I really like that set of scenes because that is normally the part. If we were just watching your typical. You know, stock slasher movie, that's the part where you're like, this fucking idiot. You know, we complain about it all the time. Like, why would you do that? Why? Don't go out there is literally the name of this fucking show. But in this right. movie, they flip it to where you can't even be you, – you, you, or, or not me. I can't even be mad at these characters. They're being manipulated at this point. And so yep. that, I think that's fun. It makes for a more fun story to tell, which you don't normally get. Uh, Jules is dancing by the fireplace. And Kurt and Jules, now they head out into the woods. Marty asks Dana, you really don't think something weird's going on now? Marty is really sketched out by everything. Holden is reading the diary still. Kurt's making moves on Jules, but she says it's too chilly. Hadley turns the temperature up and releases pheromone mist. Jules says it's too dark, so they enhance the moonlight now. Kurt is making moves as the three in the tech room watch. All of a sudden, Jules gets her hand stabbed by a zombie. Kurt tackles one, but one, but he gets stabbed by another one. Zomb- zombie grabs Jules by a bear trap on a chain. Then they decapitate her with a saw. Citizen prays and kisses a pendant on his necklace. Hadley activates a machine and blood pours out. Marty's in bed reading Little Nemo, and he hears a noise. Dana and Holden are making out on the couch. She seems hesitant on sex. Marty goes outside, and we see a zombie figure approach him in the background. Kurt runs up. Kurt runs up on him, and they run inside. Kurt clotheslines the female zombie. Dana opens the door, and the big zombie throws Jules' head to Dana. They manage to shut the door. Dana says they're from the diary. Citizen releases some fumes, and Kurt says they should split up now. Now they all get locked in their rooms. Marty finds a camera in his broken lamp. He thinks he's on reality TV. A zombie grabs him through the window. The zombie throws a knife in his back and drags him through the woods. And then I just wrote, you get it, you hear a crunch noise and you see a uh, blood splatter. Go ahead, Brian. That's the next two scenes I got. 
Yeah, I don't have a whole lot on these three, but I will say that Marty knowing, quote unquote, everything that's going on with the whole, quote unquote, puppeteers line, I could have done without because nothing to me that's happened so far is weird or odd enough to be coming to this conclusion already. So I I just I didn't like that. I was like, "Ah, get the fuck out of here with that. Um, and this may be a little controversial, especially for what Mike said earlier, but Marty's my least favorite character in this. I mean, and, you know, but it's not because of Fran Kranz. He does a great job playing him. I honestly don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I just I don't, yeah. I just don't like him. I, I don't know why. Um, fun fact, none of the scenes with the jewels and Kurt, uh, in the woods were actually shot outdoors, which, you know, being that it's supposed to be a simulation anyway, I think it adds a nice touch and, you know, and I know that this is the first kill nearly 44 minutes into this movie, but it didn't feel that long to me, you know, plus given the bloodbath of a third act, I think we can forgive, (laughs) I think we can forgive that part. Um, and lastly, you know, again, more props to Heather Langkamp's props team because, I said more props, <laughs> uh, more props to their props team, because yeah. uh, everything honestly looks amazing. We all know how fake heads can look fake as shit in horror movies. Um, but this fake head they toss in there of jewels looks freaking fantastic to me. So props to them. It did. Yeah. Look great. Um, yeah. On these scenes. So I actually liked how Marty picked up on the behavior because and the puppeteer line, because he did pick up on a couple things. Like he was sketched out about the uh, the door flying open. He was, you know, he seemed to be the only one that heard the voice say, "Read it, read it out loud." He's like, "What the fuck?" Like, I I like that line because you find out later on, like the weed is keeping him from right. being affected by all these things. Right. And yeah. so uh, I actually like that because it's also, you know, the other people, yeah, they're being dumbed down and they're having these chemicals like tainting their uh, their coherence but they also think that oh marty's just high so he's he doesn't have any credibility because he's high but the reason he's high is the reason that he's able to pick up on these things um i uh, do have okay so one more minor nitpick i like when marty goes outside and he's standing there and you see uh patients or i think those patients walking up behind him you see glimpses yes and and it's very subtle in the background i like the way that scene shot then he turns his head right as she uh, steps into the shadows. I think that was brilliantly done. But immediately after that, they kind of botched it because you're telling me that Kurt's been running through those leaves and he just sneaks up on him and, uh, you know, he didn't hear him coming at all. Good point. Um, 10 out of 10 on the clothesline. I mean, to yes. if you watch <laughs> yeah. WWE, that, oh, was yeah, a JBL, that was a JBL clothesline from yeah. hell. Like, he turned her inside <laughs> out. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like these scenes. Uh, I don't have, really have anything else other than what you already said, but yeah, the we're on two nitpicks on the entire movie so far, so I think we're on we're uh, we got a good pace going. Yeah, I also have the least amount wrote down for this set of scenes, just, just because it's kind of I mean these scenes just kind of move the plot along a little bit. Again, we do get our first kill. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of that kill. I would like to actually see the jewels kill a little more. Because a saw is such a brutal fucking weapon, and so when it's used, I like to see it be used. I know that kind of sounds weird, but in the sense of a horror movie, I think it would have been nice to actually kind of see the kill. But you do get the head throw, which I think is great. Yeah, (laughs) and I think the head, and I think the head looks great. Like Brian said, I they did a great job. Um, The Jules dance gets a big thumbs up for me. That's all I'm gonna say. I'll leave it there. (laughs) Uh, I. 
I kind of agree with Brian. I don't necessarily love Marty out here sounding like Alex Jones. Uh, I get what they're doing there, uh, especially because, you know, he's high and it actually helps him that he's high this, you know, this entire fucking movie. So I, li- I, I, I like the character of Marty, but I didn't necessarily like those little subtle nods to the fact that he might know what's going on. But I, I understand why they're there. Um, it, I, it was just a little too much for me. I mean, if it right. had been subtle, okay, right, but I felt right. like it was just too, too much. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, we know something's going on, but we don't know what's going on. And this is kind of the set of scenes where you kind of start to re- you get a little confused of what's going on. Because, you know, you're, you're introduced to the blood chambers or whatever. And, uh, again, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't know what's going on now. Like, Because I thought it was one thing, and then you see the blood chambers, and I'm like, I don't know what the deal is here, man. Um, this scene, this set of scenes has boobs because, you know, 1980s horror had boobs. Mm-hmm. And so, well, unless you're Jason Lives, which is a sh- fucking hey. travesty anyway hey. <laughs> great movie but it, 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 it could be used some boobage is all i'm saying um, a, a plus on on my nitpick on those too by the way <laughs> oh, um yeah that's pretty much all i have uh the practical effects look great i've said that before but in the you know the head throw scene you get that and the i like that that again in this set of scenes where no let's stay together oh let's split up like they're they're being manipulated it's so it it kind of explains every other slasher movie ever where maybe this whole time this has been these people in this control room. And that's why dumbasses like the kids in, in uh, whatever nightmare movie that was split up and whatever, you know, die, you know, so I get that. Uh, and I also wrote down, you knew Marty wasn't dead the first time you ever see it. You just know Marty's not dead because he's, he's been too important. He's had too much dialogue. And I just knew deep down Marty wasn't dead. So I didn't necessarily even like him being quote unquote killed because I just had this gut feeling that, that he wasn't done being in this movie yet. So that's all I have. I, I got, I got a couple more things I, I missed uh, or that I forgot about. So yeah, you brought up the head toss and that was perfect because that's so stereotypical. I'm not leaving here without her. Yeah. And after the, yep. you know, he, you've just been told that she's dead. Like why would her boyfriend be so willing to leave her if she wasn't dead? And then the way she opens the door and he just tosses the head to her. I love the way that was shot. And then it they did the crew actually reminded me of Scooby Doo plus one when they said when he said let's split up because you've got uh, Marty who's basically like Shaggy just a yeah. stoner you, know you got the two point. two hot chicks that one's kind of a prude the other's kind of a slut yep. Yep. Uh, you got the leader I, I was like man this is Scooby Doo plus Jesse Williams right now and, and I'm I'm not mad at it uh, nice. and then but like what you said with them dumbing down really explains every horror film ever same same with the sex scene. Yep. So they were manipulated because they said it's not, you know, you got to satisfy the audience, give them what they want, talking about the the gods or whatever. And uh, that makes sense. If you ever watch a horror movie and you're like, why would you pick right now to have sex? Well, this is why. They were probably being manipulated. So, yeah, I I missed that part in my notes when I was speaking earlier. So go ahead. All right. More blood is offered by Hadley in the tech room is shaking now. A zombie comes for a, a zombie comes after Dana now. Holden breaks the mirror between their rooms, so she goes into his room now. Holden and Dana both go into the basement. Dana says, "This is the the black room from the diary." Zombie grabs Holden now with the bear trap. Dana stabs the zombie repeatedly. Kurt joins them, and they escape the basement. They take off in the RV. The Japanese girls defeat Kiko and turn it into a frog. And Sid- I thought it was funny when Sitterson is cussing them out through the TV. Uh, everyone is failing around the world. 
They panic when they realize the tunnel is open. Sitters and he sparks a wire and the tunnel collapses in. They manage to reverse out in time. They realize they're stuck now. Kurt's going to jump the gap with a dirt bike, but the same invisible wall blocks him from crossing. Dana says Marty's right. Puppeteers. Dana and Holden are back in the RV driving. He tells Dana not to go nuts on him, but is killed by a zombie with a stab through the neck. He drives the RV off a cliff and it crashes into the lake. Dana is grabbed by the zombie as she tries to escape, but she still gets out of the RV. They say a virgin's death is optional as long as it's the last in the ritual. Dana manages to climb out the lake onto the dock. A zombie throws the bear, the bear trap at her, then grabs her, and now the tech room is a big party. The phone rings, and Hadley learns someone else is still alive. Marty saves Dana from being killed, and they run from the dock. The two go into the grave. Marty finds out everyone else is dead besides he and Dana. It's an elevator, and someone sent the zombies after them. Go ahead, Brian. That's the next two scenes I got. Okay, so this is the scene that I have the biggest problem with right here, and it's you know a few few nitpicks uh, about the black room. So my man Holden gets Indiana Jones whipped with a fucking handheld bear trap claw thing, and it's just cool to run and basically seems fine the entire rest of the time. So like they, they don't even they don't even talk about it, bring it up. He's not even it doesn't matter. Um, also, I'm not a big fan of Dana's one-liner to Father Buckner there. It seemed out of place, um, along with the fact that neither were really as scared as I felt like they should have been in that situation. Um, so for as great as the movie has been with everything so far, I feel like that this one particular scene with them missed the mark for me. Um, Kurt's death, you know, at this point I'm like, okay, the jock, he's going to die early. But when he survived, I thought, okay, well this damn movie keeps changing shit up. And just when I think, okay, well maybe he's going to survive. Bam. It was surprising as hell, and I got the, I thought it was great CG watching his body just keep hitting the wall all the way down. Um, yeah. Holden's death, spoiler alert, is probably my favorite, um, as it's like shocking and unexpected, and and honestly just such good effects again. Um, and I love how they're showing the Japanese one. Obviously, that's based on the ring type, but right. I love showing it. And the other failed ones, it really to me gives you a bigger picture of the grand scale of the whole thing, and and I'm really glad they did that. Um, Fun fact about the party scene, you know, the studio wanted it cut, but Goddard got so upset about it that Whedon told the studio they weren't cutting anything. Um, also, holy shit, at Dana just getting her ass just beat to death on that screen in the background. I mean, spitting up blood, everything. Um, look, that chick isn't getting up from that, much less having the rest of the movie happening. So I'm calling bullshit on that one. I'm giving it another <laughs> nitpick because, you know, but it was it was in their in their defense great visuals for the backdrop but she got the shit beat out of her back there um and lastly you know i already said i really don't care for marty's character so i'm not a fan at all of obviously of him coming back but i think i don't know you know i, I i'd like him better if he was like a maybe a nerd character i can't really put my finger on it but I, I wanted him to be maybe a super genius and not a stoner which i know that was gray's anatomy guy's role but you know, I don't know. He just looks like Owen Wilson some parts to me, especially in this part. And to me, the scholar should have been the survivor, like uh, Grey's Anatomy. I cannot put my finger on his name Did at the moment. Jesse Williams. Yeah, there I think go. Jesse Williams should have survived that uh, to the end with her. That's just that's just my opinion. Right, so, yeah, like I said earlier, I think Kurt's death should have been the reveal of the force field or the invisible yep. wall, whatever we want to call it, because now, granted, 
by the time we get to this point in the film, so much crazy shit's happened that you probably forgot about it because I know I did. But still, then I was like, oh yeah, the wall that the bird flew yeah. into. But if, if had I just been like, holy shit, uh, uh, you know, it would have added to the moment. But still, it was very well done, and and I laugh every time I see it actually because <laughs> he's just got this such bravado, and he's gonna he's gonna make it out, he's gonna save the day. No, he's not. He's a bug on a windshield, and then uh, one of the confusing things to me is they didn't really explain why each country had their own thing that they could do. Like Japan's just gonna kill a classroom full of school kids. But America's got to kill five specific stereotypes of college students. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was uh, – I would have liked to have known why Japan got to pick that or you know why they picked who they picked. Um, Holden's kill, I got to I gotta differ from you here, Brian. The reason – I think that it was well done, sure. Like the special effects look yeah. good and it was shocking. But you're telling me that that asshole was just waiting in the back of the RV, like just camping out? And he's surprised, bitch. Gotcha. No. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Now it's so, definitely my favorite. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that. So that I do have a nitpick with that kill because if that's the case, why didn't he kill them both and do it sooner? So that it just seemed uh, out of place, I guess. But other than that, we were really getting into the thick of things, and uh, shit's about to hit the fan. Business about to pick up. So. This was really the last of your mild scenes that we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, and if you were trying to change my mind with that, Dave Chappelle was not the way to go. That was totally made it better, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It actually did make it a little better. Um, I actually don't have a problem with that kill. I'll I'll save it for a second. I'm not a big fan of killing a zombie in any movie, so the fact that Dana actually kind of like kills one of the people coming after him, not a big fan of that. I, I, I don't know how you get rid of zombies, but... Uh, in most zombie movies, that's not really the way to go, but uh, that, that's a nitpick. It's not a big deal. Uh, the Japanese girls kind of winning their thing would not make the people of The Grudge very happy because that movie does not have a happy fucking ending. It keeps going bad, bad, and bad, and bad So you know, as that series goes on. So that would not be, that would not be the way The Grudge goes. Um, Kurt hitting the wall breaks up the tension, though, and I agree with you guys where I would have saved that. I would not have done The Eagle. It breaks up the tension so well to me because it's fucking hilarious. I, in my head, my hero by the Foo Fighters plays right there as he's revving up and he's gearing up the motorcycle and he hits the wall and bam, crashes and dies. I wish they would have saved that, just that one scene with the force field. It would have made it so much more impactful, but it's still really well done. Laugh every time. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I certainly do. Um, I just think it would have been better had I not had that teased beforehand i love the holding kill i didn't see it coming it caught me off guard uh i'm a big fan of it i think it's done really well uh i i'm kind of like you as much as i like marty i would have liked to see uh holden survive it with her but that's you know that's not like the end of the world or anything my favorite part is her swimming out of that deep ass fucking lake like she swam for a mile out of that thing i do like the fact that they used that shot to end up in a beer cooler in the control room that was a cool fucking shot Every time I see it, I'm like, ah, that's really nice. So I really like that in the office part, and they think they've won. And the red phone is never a good thing in any movie that it's in. So, and again, I knew Marty was coming back. Uh, by the way that he was killed, just something told me that he was coming back. But I like this set of scenes, but it is about to get fucking bananas. 
Like this is this is the yeah. last little bit that feels like a normal movie, and then what the hell just happened? All hell breaks loose, and that's kind of my favorite part. Not this next set of scenes is my favorite part of the movie, and it's a lot of people's least favorite. So, and I understand that as well. One one more thing I wanted to say to to speak to Dustin wanting to know more about you know how how the other you know countries got to pick their thing something I wanted to know too that kind of stuck in my mind about the kind of the same thing is like those those uh, monsters those ancient beings ancient gods or whatever seemed like they were just under the American one so yeah um, I would have liked to have seen maybe right. them bust out of everywhere or something you know obviously I know they were maybe didn't have the budget for it i don't know but that's kind of something else i didn't really understand so um that that yeah that's just to speak to that i, I agree yep. all right they go into the elevator and it starts to go down it stops and dana is scared by a werewolf it moves some more and a ghost appears behind them now marty sees a ballet girl and i wrote with a several with several toothy mouse i, I originally wrote uh, as a face, but I originally wrote a Demogorgon mouth, but I was like, nah, it's not really a Demogorgon mouth. Uh, it's a ballet girl with a bunch of mouths with teeth in it, and Dana sees uh, a Cenobite-looking creature. Dana says they made us choose how we die. They finally find which elevator they're in, and a man with a gun enters and says, just the girl. The zombie arm that's in there grabs him, grabs the guy with the gun, and Marty and Dana bash his head into the wall, and they take his gun. The two hear a voiceover and intercom. Can only imagine your pain and confusion. Now the two wander the halls as they hear, forgive us and let us get it over with. They hide in a room as SWAT team shout at them. Dana hits a switch and I just wrote, and madness happens. <laughs> All the creatures are freed, killing the SWAT team. Giant cobras. Are, I, I, I mean, this was, I mean, I couldn't write all this down, but giant cobras, there's clowns, zombies, the Cenobite wannabe, there's ghosts. Unicorns, all kind of critters. We see all the mayhem on the monitors. They yell, Code Red. A bat dragon flies into the room with Marty and Dana, so they run off. They escape through a hole in the wall as zombies stalk them. Truman is overwhelming killed. Hallie gets killed by the merman creature. Lynn is snatched up by an octopus and Citizen is stabbed by Dana in the chest with a knife. And I'm going to stop right there because the next scene I have is the very end. <clears throat> Yeah, obviously this is where it gets really crazy in this third act. And like Mike said, you know, and he's he's very right. This either, and I had written down the same thing, it either really grabs you or loses you right here, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, me being a fan of science fiction is why I think I like it so much, but I'm very down for this. And But I, I can also completely uh, understand if you're not. Um, you know, I, Dustin spoke to this a little bit earlier about the dude in the elevator, you know, looking like a Cenobite and have Mike so eloquently put him in heck razor. That was hilarious. But he even had a circ he even had a circular puzzle box instead of the square one. So yeah. su super good, good value. Um, Hellraiser. And, and, you know, with all of these almost quote unquote knockoffs that they had. I mean, part of me is like, man, how amazing would that have been to have really had Jason and Hellraiser and all them things in yeah. that movie? But but honestly, like kind of like Freddy in it, I think as awesome as that would have been, I think it would have been too distracting. And, and I think it would have taken taken you out of it a little bit, um, you know, just but I don't know, just as an Easter egg to maybe see them in their cell, like would have been cool. You know how you get like you know, like you said, the the uh, the shining girls and, and, you know, Pennywise knockoff, good value Pennywise that's in there from. You know, that's it, I, I thought I thought, you know, I was kind of had mixed feelings with that. Um, 
again, to me, I think Marty just isn't really believable in these scenes, especially like the athletic part. You know, t- to me, Thor would have been better or or, uh, you know, uh, Grey's Anatomy, dude. God, Jesse Williams. Um, the hallway scene, just pure blood and gore and holy shit. Um, and good good luck picking a favorite kill in this body count of 69 in this movie, by the way, or <laughs> or over 7 billion if you want to get technical with everybody that actually died in this movie. Um, and, you know, sure, some of the CG is lacking, like I said earlier, but I think it honestly a lot of it holds up, um, especially for the budget of this movie. Um, the unicorn, I kind of eye rolled at, to be honest, and... I know that Mike said he loves this kill, but the merman sequence apparently got the biggest reaction from the test screening. And, and to me, I thought it was funny because it was ironic. But That's to fine. me, that that wasn't the part to be funny at. I would have right. not gone funny in that situation. That's all. So I love the way that the elevator scene was shot, how they're sitting there and there's these clear boxes just kind of rotating in and out. So you get a glimpse of them like the, the visual is right. is really well done. And yeah, the uh, Hell Lord is what they actually called the Hellraiser knockoff, but with the saw blade through the head instead of the pinhead. Like I, I agree with what you said, Brian. Like it would have been like I'm torn on that too. It would have yeah. been cool if you actually have pinhead there, or if you actually have Jason, Michael, uh, you know, all these people, all these legends from horror mil- movies. Uh, it would have been cool to see them too once the elevator doors all open to see, you know. Jason just cut someone's head off with a machete, even if it's just one quick kill and these never appears again. That would have been cool. But at the same time, I, I like this too, because like you said, it may have been distracting. Um, that may have been ha- something that would have worked for maybe a comic book. I don't know, but yeah, maybe yeah, a yeah. movie it wouldn't have worked. I don't know. Yeah. But also getting the, getting the rights to use all those characters oh, would yeah, have been yeah. impossible. So yeah. that's, that's the reason we didn't get Carrie in that piece of crap movie. We got anyway, um, wow. It's better than Jason Tate's my hand. Anyway, there we no, go. it's not. No, it's not. Um, this has got to be the worst security ever. I'm pretty sure they would have been better off sending <laughs> the stormtroopers after her yeah. because, like, they yeah. should have been able to kill her quickly. All of those yeah. guns, and you're telling me that the only thing that they are is a scared girl and a stoner, and you can't get in that office building. And then the scene where she, you know, frees all the all the monsters and all the killers. I couldn't help but think of, like, the Emperor's New Groove. Why do we even have that lever? Why would you have that button yeah. that just opened <laughs> all the doors simultaneously? So stupid. But that, that was funny. Um, but when the when they were all free, you talk about an amazing visual. Just all of them coming out in just a massive kill fest, quick, efficient. And the visuals of what you got, how, how much was going on was pure chaos, and I loved it. I actually didn't mind the bad CGI, or not even bad, but the lower quality CGI at times yeah. because I think it plays off of uh, the whole the whole idea of the movie. So the whole idea of the movie is this is why horror movies are the way they are. Right. So they look like they look in a lot of bad horror movies, and so maybe that's just how they really look. I, I didn't mind that actually. I love the irony of the mermaid kill. I can't agree with you there either because he was he said earlier oh man i'm never gonna get to see a mermaid (laughs) and then his response was trust me you're better off plus the cleanup is awful and then you see why because this mermaid comes up he's like oh come on and eats him and then his he blows (laughs) blood out of his blowhole like that was disgusting and awesome so i really like uh i really like that these scenes right here except for the incompetence 
of the guards. Yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of the same stuff that you guys did. Yeah, that would have been cool to get the actual slasher villains and the monsters from you know the famous movies. That would have been a cool visual. But there is a part of me that likes that it's knockoffs because then I can go, oh, yeah. that's supposed to be blank. Oh, that's supposed to be Pennywise. That's supposed to be Heckraiser. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, that shitty. It does make it more fun. It does make it more. Yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. shitty franchise. They could have taken that out completely. Anyway. All right. All right, pal. Okay. Uh, no, this is where the movie gets fucking crazy, and I love it. I, I love everything about it because it is so bonkers. Um, normally, I wouldn't, and I understand, again, I, I'll repeat, I understand it losing some people, but it didn't lose me. I love that ballerina monster with, with the teeth. It It's cool as hell. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but I think it's really cool. Um, so, uh, the you know, when you get to see Marty and Dana in the boxes next to all these monsters, that's a cool visual. I love that. These idiots really fucked themselves over by letting them down out of the elevator. That was stupid. And I know they should have had more competent guards, but this is a horror movie. So, you know, not going to be a thing that happens ever. Uh, <laughs> so when, when I'm watching this the first time, I'm still saying to myself, what the fuck am I? What, what is this? But I'm still, <laughs> I, I'm entertained. So it's really hard to complain. But, you know, uh, upon a rewatch, I, you know, I love, I love it so much because I know what's coming and I know the payoff. Uh, the release of all the monsters is such a cool visual. The scene is great. The blood is, you know, all the blood they used is so awesome. I love that. I love the way it's shot. I love the way I actually think the bad CGI does work here because it, it's almost like it's supposed to be. And, and that's probably not true, but in my head, I'm going to rationalize it. Um, the, but the practical effects that they use look great. Uh, I think all the practical stuff is done really well. And I like the knockoff villains because I get to say to myself, that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be. Um, I just love that they got almost every monster on that board from the first set of scenes into this fucking scene. That, I think that's great. Like they, they put a lot of effort into that, and I, I got to give them credit. As much as I roll my eyes at the unicorn thing, I always get a laugh out of it because dying via unicorn horn probably sucks ass. <laughs> like that can't be great. Like that's got to be a miserable fucking day. Just seeing a unicorn coming and that's what kills you. That's a shitty way to go, man. Yeah. I, I, I can um so there's just so many nods to past horror movies and I love I love when a movie does that and does it right. Looking at you Halloween 2018. Uh when a movie does it right, it's really good and inject that right into my veins. I'm a big fan of that. And Hadley dying via merman is great. The kill is average. <laughs> Like the kill itself is average, but the irony and the coming full circle with it, I love so much. Look, that merman to me doesn't look that good. <laughs> and I know Heather Langenkamp, that's like the favorite thing she's ever worked on. I don't think it looks that good, but I just love the fact that that's how he died. I think that's great. Um, I loved it. And I'm going to spoil it. That's my favorite kill because of the irony. <laughs> I just loved it so much. So I love this set of scenes. It gets absolutely fucking nuts. And I love it every time. One thing I wanted to say, and it's almost like a question slash statement because maybe I didn't understand it. Well, I mean, truly, but um, you guys were talking about the guards being incompetent, but like I, I, I thought that they couldn't just come in and shoot them, or else the, the sacrifice yeah. didn't That's work, true. right? I mean, they they just they didn't just need their blood, or else I mean, didn't they have to be killed by these creatures, or else? by i guess by each other or something i don't know you know come to think of it maybe the rules weren't exactly explained you know maybe to that extent but that's kind of the my head canon on why 
the SWAT just didn't come in and start just hosing them down. But, right. um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So that's kind of like a question. Is that maybe what you guys thought, too? Or Well, I think it has to it had to be their free will. Right. So they had to at least choose the uh, zombies. But, you know, yeah, that other beyond that, that's all I got. I don't I don't really know. I agree. They should have once they started figuring shit out. Just kill them all. Yeah, they'd been better off to they'd have been better off to let the well I know they had to die in a certain order so maybe that wouldn't have worked but I was gonna say they might have been better off to let the RV get a little further into the tunnel before he blew it up kill him yeah. by that you know but right. that's that's a very minor nitpick for me yeah my whole thing is if we're going off that is if it's their free will but if they're manipulating all these people into making decisions so, I mean is it really their free will if they're getting manipulated Probably. but um the here is the last scene. Uh, Dana and Marty go to the ritual room. Five representatives for the ritual. They want to see us punished. And I wrote Ellen Ripley with an exclamation point. Sigourney Weaver, she's the director of all this. She says the whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, and the virgin. The gods, the ancient ones, arise if the ritual fails. The world ends if they see if Marty and Dana see sunlight. You can die with them or you can die for them. Dana points the gun at Marty. The whole world is in her hands. The werewolf attacks Dana, and Marty grabs the gun, shooting the wolf. He and Sigourney fight, and then the one-armed axe girl kills her, and then they fall to the gods below. The ground shake, and Marty and Dana apologize to each other. Marty lights up another joint, since the world's about to end. Giant, evil gods. They grab hands as the room starts to collapse. A giant hand comes out of the ground through the cabin, and then it, like... Hits the earth. And that's the end of the movie. Really like seeing Sigourney Weaver at the end. That was really cool. Yep. Yeah, and I'm super proud of you for knowing that it was Ellen Ripley because you finally watched the Alien movies. Super proud of you for that, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I painfully watched those two movies. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, um, look, fun fact, Jamie, uh, Mike's girl, Jamie Lee Curtis, was actually considered for that role, the director, because they definitely wanted somebody known from that monster or horror movies list, but they went with Weaver, which to me is perfect. I mean, she's, according to my list— uh, yeah, according to my list, she's the ultimate final girl anyway. Yep. I think I picked her number one anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I loved that. <laughs> the line uh, where they said, virgin, eh, we work with what we have. That that to me was a great line. I cracked yep. up during that. And, um, you know, I, real quick, I, I do like the moral choice at the end where she has to basically choose between to kill him or not. Um, I can't blame her, honestly, for either choice that she would have made because it's also crazy – would you even believe that this was happening and really commit murder or not? You know, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. But I, I I really do like that, you know, they at least had that moral choice for one of the characters. Um, and I love the ending. Um, it goes right with this movie, breaks all the rules, and shit, I, you know, I'm definitely down with that. Yeah, so I, I, I like the ending. I like, I like Sigourney Weaver. However, they had someone already involved in the movie that I would have popped huge for had she been the director. And I'm looking at you, Heather Langenkamp. How cool would, would that cool have too. been? Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the, a fi- an ultimate final girl being, you know, yep. role reversed here. I think that would have been really cool. But yeah, me too. she did a great job. And I don't remember where I had, uh, I believe I listed Marty and Dana in, in the final girls yeah. episode. I may have just listed one, but obviously I had them high too. I love this movie, and the ending is a big part of it. Now, listen. Marty 
is a real selfish asshole. He's like, well, if I'm dying, I'm taking everybody out with me. <laughs> and you, you want to talk about, like, yeah, I get the morality factor, but if I'm Dana, I'm pulling that trigger and taking my chances because I'm most it's likely going to die yeah. either way. Yeah. So if my only chance of surviving and six and a half billion people's only chance of surviving is me killing Marty, I'll just be like, man, go ahead and smoke. You won't feel it that much. Let me take care of this. Let me handle some business. <laughs> and uh, I like the – I do like the – kind of moment of peace they have before the shit hits the fans over. They're sitting there and they just make up and like, well, here we go. And then the scene where the hand emerges from the ground. I love that. And how it just uh, jumps forward towards the camera uh, as the movie ends. I think that's hilarious. And fun, fun, funny story about this was, uh, so I believe it was Goddard. It may have been Whedon, but one of them said that when they were screening the film, the question they got the most was, is there going to be a sequel? And his response was, did you watch the ending? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of hard to make a sequel when there right. are no living people. But, uh, yeah, the biggest kill count in cinematic history and just the tip of the cap at the whole damn movie. Yeah, so I have wrote down Sigourney motherfucking Weaver, and I think that's pretty apt. Uh, I would have liked the Heather Lincoln Camp choice, too, but I'm totally cool with Sigourney Weaver over Jamie Lee Curtis as far as I'm concerned. That I, Just a total badass is Ellen Ripley, so – makes a lot of sense to me uh so the ancient ones monster thing underground not my favorite thing in the world but i'm willing to forgive it because i don't think it's bad it's just not my favorite thing i'm willing to forgive it because i love the rest of this movie so damn much that honestly they could have done whatever they wanted at the end and they still had me so uh i do like the final scene i would have probably blown marty's head off if i was dana that was just me because uh, if that's my only chance i gotta take it Especially because Marty's high, so it really doesn't matter what happens to him at this point. Uh, but I do like that the last little bit, and this is really the last thing I have. Uh, I just love the last little bit. Like Dustin said, the movie ends with them get, smoking a joint together. That's fucking cool. Uh, something about that makes me laugh every time. So I'm a fan of this ending. I'm not a fan of the actual story as far as the ancient ones underground and stuff, but I'm willing to forgive it for the rest of how much I love the meta within the rest of the movie. So. Uh, big thumbs up and a big tip of the Captain movie. I'm done. I'm done with the love fest, though. Well, I got one more thing to say. I'll save it. But outside <laughs> of that, we can. I, I can go back to being critical next week. <laughs> and Heather Langenkamp was actually credited as like Heather Anderson in this, and I don't know why. Like I would really like to know why. I don't know if she just like didn't want her involvement known in this movie or something. So uh, that's. That's that's a mystery to me that I did not look up and that I would like to know is why she was not credited as Heather Langenkamp, but instead this Heather Anderson name. Yeah, hey, y'all got any more final thoughts before we uh, jump into a couple of fan questions? That's it. The only thing I was going to say that just blows my mind, Sigourney Weaver was able to climb against face, uh, Space Force winds and suction at the end of Aliens 2. But she couldn't overpower a stoner. That just blows my mind. But anywho, uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. She's guys. older now. She's older now, Nico. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she is a little bit older now. Uh, Je- the, this, the first fan question we have is from jkrill14 from Instagram. He's, he commented, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this film. I'm also curious what you think about director Drew Goddard. Dustin, you want to go first, brother? Yeah, so, I mean, Goddard has made some incredible stuff. In addition to this, he, you know, he was uh, a writer for the show Daredevil on Netflix, and that, that was a great show. I thought it needed more seasons. He also uh, wrote the screenplay for the movie The Martian, 
with mm-hmm. uh, Matt Damon, which is a phenomenal movie. World War Z. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Drew Goddard or uh, Drew Goddard or Joss Whedon. I think that they are a great team together too. Uh, they, they obviously have chemistry because this movie was firing on all cylinders for me. And so he's when you talk about uh, just his catalog of his body of work. I'm looking at his resume right now. Just incredible stuff here as, as both a writer and a producer and a director. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't have anything bad to say about him. I, I'm a fan of Drew Goddard and his, and his style. Yeah, yeah. I just don't have a lot of additional thoughts because n- nothing else that he's done I've really. It's not that I haven't seen it, but there, you know, a lot of like superhero stuff and some of the other stuff. It's just not my cup of tea. But I do like, I do, I do like this team of of uh of Goddard and Whedon. So. So and I love that they made this movie for me, the meta guy. So I, I got no and, problem with them. <laughs> and he also did another movie that I actually plan on picking down the road someday, uh, World War Z. Yeah. I did like World War Z. So I'll as far as zombie movies go, I think yeah. that's one of the better ones. And so for him, he wrote the screenplay for it. So yeah, just hats off, shout out to uh, Drew Goddard. It's got Brad Pitt in it, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yeah, it would have been does. better with Ethan Hawke. Oh, get out. <laughs> what what was it? Something I said? Yes. <laughs> no, look, the dude Goddard wrote, you know, helped write Bad Times at Ed, uh, El Royale. Love it. The Martian. Love it. Cloverfield. Absolutely love it. World War Z. Absolutely love it. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Absolutely love it. So I, I have nothing bad to say about Goddard at all. All right. One more fan question. This is from, uh, from Facebook. Uh, you know, friend of the show, Sean Irwin. Would you have shot him at the end and saved the world? Yes, I would have, Sean. Yes, yes, Sean, absolutely. Say less. His head off. Say less. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go against every three, all three of y'all. I'm going, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and oh I'm going to say I don't think I would have, only because I, I, at that moment, I may be thinking there's been so much crazy shit tonight happening that I don't believe that this. I, I don't believe. I don't believe that killing him would it would save the world because I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, me that you witnessed a, a unicorn murder a man, and you, this is what you're not going to believe? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, this whole shit, like, d- did I really fucking see a unicorn fucking kill somebody? Like, that's why I'm just like, I don't know. I might have not believed this entire thing. Like, it was some re- complete reality show, the entire thing, and that it's not yeah, – everybody's fucking with me. And I, I might have had a hesitation for a second and thought, I, you know, I, I don't know. Shit, um, I, I, no, I, he's I, out I, of here. To quote Wyatt Earp from the movie Tombstone, skin that smoke wagon. I'm hey. <laughs> Not to go full on pro wrestling on y'all, but I would have Shawn Michaels Rick flared his ass so fast. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> Bam. I'm sorry. It's a wrap. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's jump. Let's jump into fun facts. We said a lot during the show. Uh, I've oh, only yeah. got two. I've only got two. Uh, the thermal coffee mug slash bong was a fully functional mug and bong as portrayed in the film. The prototype, which cost of which cost five thousand dollars to make, that's pretty interesting. And Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote the script in just three days. That's that's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah, they Anybody locked got- themselves in a hotel room and everything. Like they yep. did not come out until the script was done. So that was fucking impressive. I've only got I've only got four of them, so I'll just go real fast. But um, during the lake scene, like <laughs> Michael liked this because he was talking about the physique of everybody else. But the only student not to jump in the lake is Marty, who, re- who remains fully clothed on the dock. And that's because Fran Kranz noticeably 
was being in as good, if not better, shape yeah. than the other male That's students in the yep. commentary yep. for the film. The, the writers joke that he was ripped like muscular Jesus um, and assert that if Marty, you know, was shown that fit, it would ruin the yep. character. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's also partially why Marty wears such baggier clothes than everybody, all the other students. Um, the other three I have is the failed rituals from the other country are references, obviously, to various classic movies and, and monster movies. The Kyoto ritual is a reference to uh, the ring. Um, Buenos Aires ritual is a reference to King Kong. Um, the Stockholm ritual is a reference to John Carpenter's The Thing. And uh, the, the, the Madrid reference uh, appears to reference Dracula. Um also, the film's final scene written by Whedon is meant to be his version of the quote-unquote you always were an asshole, Gorman, uh, scene from James Cameron's Aliens. <laughs> and uh, lastly, the camper at the uh, the character's drive to the cabin um, is a reference to The Hills Have Eyes. So that's the four I have. All right, so uh, the film used 200 gallons of blood, fake blood. Uh, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Latin that Dana speaks from the book, I'm not going to pronounce it, but what it translates to is pain outlives the flesh, pain raises the flesh, pain ignites the flesh. Uh, so that's interesting there. And then the actor that plays Mordecai or the, the Harbinger is also, he's the, the slaughterhouse owner of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. He's the man who delivered Le- Leatherface. So there's another nod to another horror classic. Uh, you, you guys pretty much said all my fun facts and all the ones I did have, I said in the review. So real quick, the budget was 30 million. The majority of that was spent on the effects. Obviously it had a lot of people working on the effects in the studio, uh, out and I believe somewhere in California, but they had a lot of people working on it. Heather Langenkamp and her husband, which we already talked about. Um, it made $66.5 million. So not a huge money maker, but it's uh, successful enough. And in the following years it ended up having a cult following, it made a lot of money in DVD sales, Blu-ray sales, and uh, streaming service numbers. So uh, it's done well for itself. People have called for a sequel, never getting one. That's pretty much where that's at right now. So uh, not a bad uh, not a bad way to get in the black there. You know, make your money back at least. So, yeah. That surprises me. I would have thought I'd made more, to be honest. Yep. All right. Y'all ready to jump into favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating? Let's sure. do it. All right, I know this is going to be a love fest for y'all, so I'll go ahead and get my negativity out of the way. Uh, favorite kill for me, I put, I put, I picked Jules just because I really thought that scene was the best horror scene of the movie. Uh, it was, it was built up well. I really liked it. Uh, my least favorite, I actually had a three-way tie, but I got, I was like, that's kind of ridiculous. So I just made it a two-way tie. <laughs> uh, I picked Kurt as one of them just because, like y'all said earlier, the eagle. Flying into the wall, kind of, it kind of killed this because you knew he was going to wreck. And I wrote the unicorn as my other one because I'm like, that's stupid. I don't like that at all. Because <laughs> uh, the unicorn's not scary. Uh, rating, I wasn't as disrespectful as uh, Dustin has been in a couple movies. <laughs> I, I, gave, I gave it a five and a half. Uh, pros, the acting is good top to bottom. I love the cameos. You know, Anna Hutchison. I'm a huge fan of her. She was Lida from she was in Spartacus. The last season she was great. Uh, uh, Richard Jenkins from Step Brothers, and of course Sigourney Weaver from Alien franchise. That was awesome. Uh, I feel the director and the writer accomplished what they wanted to do with this film. And the first zombie scene with Jules and Kurt is I thought it was very effective. I really liked that scene. Uh, the cons, no secret. I'm not a big fan of Meta. 
the first act is a little slow to me and not too much happens. The homages didn't work for me. Some examples like the gas station. That was, I mean, the gas station scene is good the first time you watch it, but once you see the whole movie, it kind of reminds me of like Hills Have Eyes or Wrong Turn gas station scene. Uh, the Cenobite, I didn't like that, you know, and the lake, the, the kind of reminds me of Friday the 13th. It's like, okay. Uh, the ending, <laughs> I hear, like you said, Mike, the ending is you either love it or hate it. Or the ending is ridiculous and chaotic. Uh, the unicorn killing someone, really? Why is there a switch that frees them all? Who runs this place where it's just regular jobs? Is this government ran? This has the whole world's population in its hands and it's just another white collar job. And how are these people getting paid? Like, what funds all this? Uh, it's just not my cup of tea, but I understand people liking it. So I hope I wasn't too disrespectful. That's how I felt about it. Completely disrespectful. Well, first of all, I'd like to say fuck you. And second of all, <laughs> oh somebody else go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, who, wants, who wants to go uh, next? All right. Oh, I'll go. Um, it's just real quick. I don't have. Like I've already said, my favorite kill was was probably Holden. Just I liked how quick and unexpected it was, and uh, the CG and the practical effects used in that scene I thought were really good. Um, my least favorite, I, I, I went back and forth a lot. Um, I eventually went with Marty because I didn't like his fake-out kill, and then at the end, I didn't get to see him die. He got you know blown up with the rest of the world, so I, that's my least favorite kill. I would have liked to have seen him die because I didn't like him. Um and my rating, I gave it a nine. Okay. So <clears throat> life is about balance, right? I'm going to directly go against Nico and Brian in a couple of sentences here. My favorite kill was the unicorn. Hear me out. Great kill. I, I, I love the, that kill. The reason it's so good is because it's a unicorn. Like, you don't expect that. Dude, Jason <laughs> takes Manhattan and has somebody killed with a guitar. Get out of here. Well, that's believable. Jeff Jarrett almost killed plenty of people with the guitar uh, and wrestling ring. Anyway, but for, just just Don't imagine the, off, just imagine the emotions. You're you're seeing this majestic unicorn, and it stabs you in the guts like that. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was almost a tie between that one and the uh, the merman because of the irony. Like I really enjoyed the irony there. And but the, I the, mer, the merman was my third one, but I cut it. <laughs> I was like, I'm being I'm being a little ridiculous with three least favorites. So, uh, well, that's just like your opinion, man. But uh, least favorite kill, I'm gonna go with Holden. Here's where I'm disagreeing with Brian Holden. It's for the reasons I said earlier. It just didn't make sense to me that the zombie's been in the back of this damn RV the whole time. They're in there and he just sneaks up on him, stabs him in the back of the head. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason why they would have waited until then to do it. So, uh, my score on this movie. I went with a 8.75. I really like this movie. That's one of the higher scores I've given. Yeah, so I already spoiled my favorite kill. It it was uh, Hadley and the Merman because of the irony. I thought it was fucking funny. And uh, maybe I'm not supposed to laugh at a horror movie, but goddamn, I, get, I giggle out of that every time. I think it's great. The kill, again, the Merman looks like shit, but the kill is really – it's just coming full circle, and I like that story. My least favorite kill is Nico's favorite, Jules. You don't see it. It's off screen. I think it sucks. I, I think the scene is good. I, I do agree with Nico there. It's a good horror scene, but I would have liked to actually see the kill. So that's the only reason I have it low. Um, I gave this movie a nine. I couldn't go uh, 9.5 or 10 because the ending drags it down 0.5, and the the two nitpicks I had uh, also drives it down 0.5. So that's one point off of a 10, but I love this movie. could pop it at any time. 
I think it's fucking awesome from start to finish. I have no, I have very, very, very little complaints with it. And again, I, I, I just love meta horror and I like, the, I think this movie does it about as good as any other movie that's ever tried it. Uh, it's up there with scream, the original one for me, as far as hitting on the meta horror genre and flipping it on its head. So this movie, and this movie also makes fun of meta horror in a way. So it's so meta, it's not. Like, it's it's really, I love the concept. I'm glad there's not a sequel because I think it would water it down. So, um, yep, I uh, gave it a nine. Yeah, so that gives us, uh, despite Nico's atrocity of a five and a half, that, that has the cabin in the woods sitting at a very nice 8.0625, oh. which is... Better than Joyride. Go ahead, back to you. Much better than Joyride, jeez. <laughs> nah, I mean, that's like your opinion, man. Uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all got any final thoughts on the movie? That's it. Thanks for letting me pick one I actually like. <laughs> well, uh, I'm about to. I'm going to announce mine. It's a movie I really like. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna review our first M Night Shyamalan movie next week. This is a movie. This movie is actually one I've been kind of intimidated to do because found footage is so hard to keep up with. Uh, but we're going with 2015's The Visit. Oh, I really, fun. I, I think it'll be fun. I really, I really like this movie. And, uh, I'll save it for next week and tell my story about it. Y'all got any final thoughts for you out of here, boys and girls? That's it, fellas. That's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, yeah, I say thanks for listening. Thanks for indulging me on this love fest. Oh yeah, and I hope I really, I hope I didn't come across <laughs> as a, too much of a hater. Uh, yeah, you're good. But I think I mean I told I told Mike and Brian months ago that I wasn't the biggest fan of this one. It's okay. I wasn't. I don't think I was too much of a hater. It's all right, but, man. But we really appreciate all. Oh man, Dustin. Whew, two weeks from now, you better be ready, brother. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, you bro. better be ready. All right. <sighs> Just so you know, lowest score I've ever given. Wow, and, and we what? And we watched a Rob Zombie movie. Uh, and, we, and we watched uh, that audition. That, <laughs> There's no way. Audition. If this is lower than audition, I got. We, wow. No, okay. it's not. Yes, it is. And this I'm is on tell you why. Two weeks. This is on. This is on purpose, Dustin. All right, we it's really appreciate purpose. the support. Y'all have a good one. And uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.